It's Nick Walters again with the National Industrial Hemp Growers Digest. Welcome back to our podcast. And one of the things that we enjoy and have continued to enjoy for over a year now that we have been doing this podcast is getting a legal update every month from our friends Hunter Robinson and Whit Steinecker with the uh, Bradley Law Firm, uh, Hunter in Nashville, Whit in Birmingham. And they all always give us great insight and give us good information of things we need to know about uh, germinating from your cannabis practice there at Bradley. And, uh, and yes, I use the word germinate because that's something that we, uh, 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 I'm trying to be punny, Lord, this day. So look, guys, uh, let's just jump into it. We'd love some legal updates on things that you see um, crossing your desk and the things that you're looking into and the things that you're looking into, not only for your current clients, but for others as well, too, that you're that you're tracking on. So, uh, Hunter, do you want to jump and give us a, a first start? Sure. And I'll say, Nick, uh, germinate is not the worst cannabis pun I've ever heard on something like this. So uh, all good there. Um, today, we're going to give uh, a couple updates on uh, legislation, both at the federal and state level um, in the southeast. Um, at the federal level, the Safe Banking Act um, has passed the House yet again. I believe this is the sixth time. Um, we've spoken about that on previous podcasts, but right. what that would do at a extremely high level is lower the um, kind of the barriers for uh, for banks to bank cannabis. Uh, cannabis businesses and other businesses that kind of deal directly with cannabis businesses um, by changing the way that any money laundering and bank secrecy act rules work with respect to uh, taking deposits, giving loans, et cetera, from a cannabis business. Um, it was attached. So the last time it came through, it was attached to the National Defense Authorization Act, passed the House, um, and then the Senate removed it. Um, before it was passed by both chambers and signed into law. Uh, this time it's a, attached to the America Competes Act, which is a piece of legislation that um, generally is dealing with uh, competition from China on non-cannabis goods. Um, that act itself has bipartisan support, but it's totally possible that the same thing happens this time that happened last time, that that, that piece, the Safe Banking Act, gets pulled out um, in committee somewhere or when they're, when they're taking the various versions that passed the House and the Senate uh, together. Um, but, you know, it shows continued momentum um, for cannabis banking reform. Cannabis banking reform is something that possibly has, it probably has, it has a majority vote in both chambers already. It may have enough to, to pass a filibuster. Um, but, you know, the, uh, a lot of the, the Democratic, uh, Democrats are kind of posting or pushing for more comprehensive reform and don't want to kind of settle for banking. So, you know, there's kind of different politics at play. It has general bipartisan support, but there's 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 other issues there. But, you know, it seems like something that something say for something like it should, you know, is 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 heading toward passage sometime in the short to medium term, it seems like. Are you seeing any kind of uh, not that you're watching every person who's sponsored or co-sponsored? I know you're more into the actual language itself of what's there, but are you have you picked up or noticed that there are new people on either on the D side or the R side that have started to kind of come on and add their name to the, to the mix to show the, the, or, or is it still probably the same core people that have been pushing it? 
With may know the answer to that. I do know that there's um, Majority Leader Schumer said that he was open to something that is, you know, cannabis banking reform. Plus, he was formally in the camp of, you know, we need something kind of a decriminalization or descheduling or something kind of more comprehensive with with marijuana in general. Right. Um, he has seemed to shift a little bit, um, which is obviously a huge sign. Or, you know, a huge. He's a About. He, he can he can hold it up in the Senate if he wants to. Um, as far as if it picked up any new sponsors this time, I'm not sure. Wit, do you know the answer to that? I didn't mean to throw you. I just wondered if you could pick up on it or something. Yeah, and you've seen some um, some House Republican support um, that, that is newer, uh, sort of uh, moderate to uh, center right um, Republicans uh, who've jumped on board. And I think with the Senate, <clears throat> you have some who are Republicans who are in support. Some would probably prefer not to take a position on this until they have to, <clears throat> particularly when you've got primaries coming up um, and, you know, about a third of the Senate um, in a lot of state races. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, we don't get a final head count in the Senate uh, until pretty close to an actual vote comes up. And yeah. um, they've done a pretty <clears throat> studious job of keeping it out of committee hearings in the Senate, uh, at least under uh, McConnell, where um, people would have been forced to, you know, go on record, and make votes, and do things like that. So, <clears throat> conventional wisdom still seems to be that there's a majority there in the Senate, but uh, sometimes it's hard to count noses um, when people, you know, are ducking their heads. Got it. Cool. <clears throat> if I could just, add, yeah, if I could just add one, <clears throat> one other thing to that, um, and uh, everything Hunter said, as always, is, is exactly correct. Uh, and onto that, why it made matter to uh, a hemp grower uh, instead of just a, uh, you know, because a lot of the marijuana advocates uh, are pushing for this legislation. Obviously, it would radically transform the marijuana business, which would go from being essentially unbankable at the federal level, following the strict you know, rules of the uh, Controlled Substances Act, to bankable. Uh, whereas hemp, as we, point, we try to make repeatedly, is hemp should be completely legally bankable now. <clears throat> but if the big banks can get on board with something like uh, the Safe Banking Act regime and start considering how to bank marijuana, then it just seems natural that they'll be far more comfortable uh, banking hemp. And the, the road will just get a little bit easier. The service is a little bit more available to hemp companies. So. I think it's a it's a big development um, if it passes for, for the entire cannabis industry and frankly for the country, but it, it shouldn't be viewed uh, just as a marijuana proposal because I do think there's pretty significant ramifications for the hemp business in, in really all aspects of the hemp. Um, Hunter, do you want me to go on to uh, some of the state updates? Sure. Okay, so um, there's been some updates. Uh, in, in a couple of different states, and the two that I want to talk about are Alabama and Texas, and they're both um, Delta 8. They're both uh, directed at Delta 8, although uh, theoretically could encompass uh, a number of other emerging uh, products, and I think show the evolution. So as the industry evolves, which we uh, hoped and suspected would happen, then the law begins to evolve. Uh, that rarely uh, is a particularly pretty process to, to watch unfold. And I think we're kind of in that area right now where 
we're seeing new developments in what the hemp plant can do. And you're seeing regulators try to struggle with what role they have in you know, increasing access, uh, decreasing access. Uh, do they want the industry to thrive or a certain industry, what parts of the industry? And it mirrors the nation's relationship with, with marijuana in many ways uh, when you get into these products like Delta-8. Uh, and then last week I was talking to a client about HHC. And, you know, there's going to be all sorts of different uh, types of <clears throat> compounds that, that come out and governments are going to have to decide what, if anything, they're going to do about it. So, and, I'll, and, and a lot of times, if you look closely, you'll see that even well-intentioned efforts towards regulation uh, have some unintended consequences. And I think Alabama is a, potentially a good example of that right now. There's been a bill filed um, in the legislative session, which is ongoing, and it would <clears throat> change the definition uh, of THC uh, in the controlled sub state controlled substances act to make uh, to, to categorize as a schedule one substance any psychoactive uh, compound or ingredient uh, in a hemp plant. Uh, so uh, I think the, what they're getting at, and in fact the synopsis of the bill says the Delta-8 is psychoactive. Um, there's not enough evidence about what it does. Uh, people are getting harmed, it's being sold to kids. Therefore, we need to make Delta-8 uh, prohibited in Alabama. And that's a, that's a policy choice uh, that's probably outside the scope of what we're, we should talk about here, about the wisdom of that policy choice. But the problem is that it, the definition of THC used to exclude up to 0.3% uh, THC to make it work track with the farm bill. And now uh, it basically says, again, I don't think this is what they intended to do, but hemp, uh, any THC in the plant, as long as it's considered psychoactive, means that it's a schedule one substance. And the psychoactive is not defined. Uh, it's not, I don't think there's, uh, universal agreement sort of scientifically or uh, um, uh, even just sort of colloquially about what psychoactive means when it comes to all aspects of the hemp plant. And so you know, if you're a Delta-8 manufacturer, obviously this is extremely troubling to you, but I think if you're a manufacturer of hemp of any type, if it has CBD in it at all, I think you're subject to a claim by a local sheriff that that CBD, which uh, marketed by many as having certain euphoric effects, you know, is a, is a psychoactive uh, component. Um, so, you, so that's a good example of uh, of how the grain and fiber side uh, of the hemp business needs to be on the lookout for any potential hemp legislation, uh, and whether intended or not, maybe uh, overreaching. Or look, a lot of these legislators are maybe perfectly uh, perfectly intelligent, but they're not, um, you know, they're not what, whatever type of scientist. Hunter, help me out. The scientist looks at like plants, right? I mean, you know, they're not they're not <laughs> those guys, right? I mean, you know, they're not, they're not agronomists, and they're not people. There we go. They're not plant scientists, right? Deck with the assist. Um, so, so the, it may be that they're, they're they're really trying to get it perfect, and it may just be that with a little education from industry, uh, they'll get it right there. And it may be that they're trying to 
um, to backdoor a prohibition or uh, could be that they, they are trying to be nefarious. I think in Alabama, I think they're well-intentioned, um, but I just think that it needs to be cleaned up a little bit, and I'm hopeful that it's in the process of being cleaned up. But that's the type of thing that, that you know we're always sort of looking out for because it didn't on its face look like it had anything to do with the grand fiber side, um, and, but I think it potentially does, and it obviously would uh, have seismic implications for the Delta-8 market and any other sort of Delta-8-ish products that, that has obvious psychoactive um, effects uh, in Alabama. And again, you know, it may be that that's just something that's going to be the case, because that's what the legislature is going to do. Um, and there's probably some, um, you know, Alabama's just had this medical marijuana program that's um, licenses should go out at the end of the year. So there's maybe a little bit of that um, creeping into the Delta-8 debate. But um, that's, that's what's new in Alabama. And then... Um, just a quickie in Texas. It was late last year. Uh, the state health department issued uh, kind of out of nowhere uh, something on the website that said Delta Eight was uh, was no longer legal in Texas, and the Delta Eight company sued, seeking an injunction um, to enjoin the state from enforcing that uh, rule, and actually won. Uh, on, but, on, but on a pretty minor technicality. And the, and the, the basis for the injunction is the state didn't go through the appropriate notice and comment process that the government has to use whenever they want to have a rule like this. So they're supposed to publish it, publicize it, publicize it um, and allow uh, interested parties to comment. Uh, I think the, the agency said, well, we made a speech about it. We mentioned it on the website before. Basically, people should have notice. Um, but uh, the court said that wasn't enough. So it's possible that if the state just goes back and follows the appropriate notice and comment provision, then maybe that fixes the problem and Delta-8 is illegal. Um, if It also could be that given the outcry and the backlash, if the state determines they don't want to take that step anymore. But mm -hmm. I think it shows you how <clears throat> perilous uh, you know, this, this industry still can be and subject to the whims, again, even if well-intentioned, of a pretty small group of people um, who have whatever interest they have. And so, you know, those are the types of things that we're, we're looking out for in Alabama and Texas. And then Hunter, our resident uh, Tennessean, uh, I think you got an update on uh, what's going on there. Right. So Tennessee is taking a bit of a different tack than Alabama um, and a lot of other states. I mean, and, you know, what hit into this earlier, a lot of the kind of unfriendly Delta 8 stuff is is coming from states with medical marijuana programs or recreational marijuana programs. And that is, you know, because Delta 8 is kind of encroaching on that market to an extent. Um, but Tennessee, we do not have any uh, state legal marijuana products yet. Um, so Tennessee is taking a kind of friendly approach to Delta 8. They have... Um, it started as a bill in the Tennessee House. It now has a companion bill in the Tennessee Senate. The House bill is 1690. And what it sets up is a first one simple. It's 21 and up to purchase uh, what it calls hemp derived products, um, which under the definition in the bill essentially just contain, you know, it includes the uh, the more clearly psychoactive ones, your Delta H, your Delta 10, other kind of THC. THC lights, as they are kind of colloquially called, 
Um, it also sets up a licensing regime for wholesalers and retailers. So currently under Tennessee law, um, you have to have a license to cultivate hemp, um, which is required under the 2018 Farm Bill and Tennessee's state plan implementing that. But there is no separate license for wholesalers and retailers. You know, you have to have your normal business license, but nothing cannabis or hemp specific. Uh, this would require licenses for both wholesalers and retailers. It would not require a separate license for a cultivator who sells to wholesalers. But if that cultivator wants to sell directly to a retailer, they would have to get a wholesaler license. That's a little bit convoluted, um, but but that's the way it works. Um, and then it is also sets up a wholesale tax for when a wholesaler sells to a retailer. The wholesaler has to collect a 6.6% tax on that hemp derived product and that those tax revenues, um, this is kind of a, a, a good thing in the bill, uh, gets plowed back into kind of the Department of Agriculture, the Tennessee Department of Agriculture and other agencies um, funds to regulate hemp. Um, so it's kind of putting funding towards, you know, back into um, not the industry directly, but kind of the, the, the regulators that are overseeing it, which could help with, you know, getting uh, you know, scheduling inspections and testing and that kind of thing. Um, the is selling without a license under this bill is a class B misdemeanor. And there's also civil penalties. Um, the civil penalty, um, if you're operating without a license, you, there's a mandatory civil, civil penalty for the amount of the license for that month that you were selling. And then the commissioner also has the discretionary authority to fine you up to $250 per day that you're in violation, which that could add up fairly quickly. Um, but this bill was, you know, so this bill is in, I think it is in committee in the Senate um, and is kind of chugging along in the House. Um, it was written by the Tennessee Growers Co Coalition in conjunction with uh, Representative Hurt. So, you know, it is generally uh, industry friendly, kind of, you know, anecdotally talking to people in the industry. Um, they're generally happy with this. You know, they view it as kind of a light regulation that could kind of push out some some bad actors or some, you know, fly by night operators, but but would be generally easy to comply with for for more sophisticated companies. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think this is generally viewed as a good thing in Tennessee. You know, this is this is kind of. Um, not taking the approach of just banning Delta eight outright, um, like a lot of states have taking taken or not kind of folding it into the medical marijuana regulatory program, which some other states have taken. Um, this is just kind of a, a pretty light, you know, licensing and tax regime. Um, so Tennessee is kind of chugging forward. You know, it is it is becoming one of the few holdouts on on medical marijuana, but it is uh, maintaining its reputation as pretty um favorable place for hemp and hemp product operators uh, sure. this bill, but we'll see where it goes. It's, it's got some momentum and it seems, you know, it seems like it has a, a decent likelihood of passage in a, in a form that is uh, similar to the, the initial bills. So um, we'll keep an eye on it and uh, we'll certainly be the subject of another legislative update on here if it passes. How about that? So, you know, um, <clears throat> It, it, I mean, not that you guys have got the crystal ball to look inside people's hearts and minds and thoughts, right? But but it, there also seems to be some interesting bedfellas as it relates to the to the Delta to the anti-Delta H crew that would say, 
look, y'all are just, this is like a backdoor that was never intended in the farm bill in the first place. This was not something that this was supposed to be. Let's get our, you know, focus off of this. Let's get back onto other things. You're messing up the rest of the industry because you've kind of found a loophole that wasn't intention, you know, that kind of stuff to do. And, and then that information, and in some cases, it seems like the medical marijuana folks have gone, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. Right. I mean, so they're, they're jumping on part of that. So it's an interesting dynamic. And I think part of that just goes along with the industry trying to mature and learn and kind of figure out who it is, where it is and what's going on. So that's right. And the way that Tennessee is doing it is, you know, if that's something that that you, you know, I, I as Witt and I have both said on here before, uh, the intention of the farm bill, the federal farm bill is almost certainly not to allow stuff like Delta eight. Um, but the federal government has also taken a fairly hands off approach to marijuana, which is still a controlled one substance for sure. You know, so to the extent they're going to give them some, you know, the feds aren't going to kind of try to jam up any states doing this. Tennessee is kind of the first step of what it looks like if we want this stuff to stick around. You know, it's kind of the, yeah. hey, have a license. We're going to tax it. And, you know, and then that will probably lead to some more um, regulations that look like what you would have in medical marijuana states, you know, kind of making sure that, you know, certificates of analysis, making sure the potency is right, potency is regulated, that kind of thing. So, right. you know, Tennessee is kind of setting up a business friendly regime for it. Um, or at least if these bills pass, that would kind of be the starting point for that, I believe. Sure. Well, you know, stay tuned to local stations and see what we'll see what happens. You'll be able to be able to follow some of that and see where it's all going. So that's terrific. Well, that's good news to know about the, the Banking Act and understand what legislatively things are going on in several states. I know the Delta eight thing is happening in a, a bunch of states. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of different movements about that. And um and usually uh, when there is money to be made or money to be taken from somebody, you can follow some trails along the way. But uh, <clears throat> we want some of it to be about money being made for particularly for industrial um, hemp, uh, usage and, and, and particularly in projects of things that we're working on, like our project up in New Madrid, Missouri, where we are partnering up with um, Circular Syntech to uh, get them some renewable natural gas using uh, uh, industrial hemp. And we learn a whole lot about those things when we are participating in the uh, International Biomass Conference, which is taking place uh, March 14th through the 16th in Jacksonville, Florida. And we're going to uh, be there as a, as a supporting organization, uh, learning more about uh, biomass, uh, not only for energy production, which is certainly a component of that, but also pellets and and how um, hemp can be used, particularly blended with uh, uh, wood waste, maybe like sawdust and other places like that that come from sawmills, and how that could be blended together to make a really awesome uh, uh, pellet for heating for homes or for um, uh, uh, maybe even more commercial uses. So the International Biomass Conference Check it out. You can Google it up. They got a big, long uh, a website address. that's easier to Google it up than for me to tell it to you. And so uh, uh, go check it out. It'll be taking place uh, here in a couple of weeks. So Whit and Hunter, thank you all again so much from uh, your offices at the various spots of Bradley uh, Law Firm uh, in Birmingham and in Nashville and giving us our, our monthly legal update. Any other thing we need to know about before we sign off? 
I think that's good, man. We're good? Right. Okay. Until next time, uh, this is Nick Walters with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest. Stay tuned for another great episode. Thanks. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.